0: I'm Larry Walsh, and this is Pod2112, the official podcast of the 2112 Group, where we talk with industry executives, thought leaders, and influencers about the trends shaping the industry and the world around us. I recently had a conversation with a vendor channel executive who asked me a question we often get here at 2112. Who does channels well? When I gave him the standard examples, he spat back, so the vendors that spend billions on the channel. My response, "Well, well, yeah. In 2112's engagements and conversations with vendor executives, We often get that question. Who does channels right? Who does channels best? We've asked channel chiefs and partners those same questions, and it should come as no surprise that the answers are fairly consistent. It's the companies that invest in channel programs and partners. It's the companies that do more than talk about profitability and margins to include investments in training, marketing resources, field sales, and partner support. The technology industry continues to grow. The earnings reports from 2018 show great growth in cloud computing and emerging technologies and surprisingly steady sales in traditional products. All is not rosy in the technology market, though. The ongoing trade war with China, shifting consumption models by business buyers, disruptions caused by emerging technologies and business models, and the general political uncertainty emanating from Washington, London, and Brussels is causing some vendors to retrench and brace for economic downturns in 2019. As of this recording in early February, many technology vendors established and emerging are cutting spending and staff to reduce expenses and maintain operating margins. A casualty of funding cuts is off in channel programs, which some vendors, right or wrong, see as overhead or cost centers. Some vendors see cutting channel funding as prudent and fiscally responsible. But denying channel chiefs and partners of the support they need can have unintended consequences such as accelerating sales slowdowns, losing capacity through defecting partners, and emboldening competitors. Investment in channel programs and partners do not guarantee success in indirect sales. However, starving a channel program of the funding and the resources it needs to have a reasonable degree of success is almost always a guarantee of failure. Many channel chiefs say they are often fighting a justification war on two fronts. They must always win the hearts and minds of the partners to support their companies and their products, and they must validate the value of the channel program to their C-suites. A person who knows this dance well is Frank Roush, the newly appointed head of global channels at Security Vendor Checkpoint. Frank has a diverse career running direct sales, strategy teams, and channels at a variety of different companies, including IBM, Hewlett Packard, and most recently, VMware. I caught up with Frank to talk about the necessity of investing in channels and the best strategies for gaining the support of partners.
1: Well, if you, uh, if you figure that out, let's get on another podcast.
0: The need for investment and in reinvestment by vendors in their channel programs is about addressing complexity, Frank says. Technology, especially emerging technologies, require competent and motivated partners. And getting those partners requires investment.
1: It's a complex industry, and that might be, you know, the understatement of the year. People talk about digital transformation like it's buying something at, at a hardware store. And it's, it's so much more complex than that. Um, you know, when, when you look at companies that want to go in new markets, and, you know, we had the same stuff over at VMware uh, that we do have at Checkpoint right now. We need to be able to rely on partners that maybe are new isn't their new. And maybe our white space isn't their white space. So maybe they're in accounts that we want to penetrate. Maybe they've been doing business with AWS, Azure, Alibaba, um, et cetera, for, for a number of years. So they have expertise to, that, that, that might not be new and interesting to us but certainly they've been doing for a while therefore you want to make that you want to be make that investment and you really want to make it a win-win because there's no channel partner in the world that I know of that's really interested in a share shift so you need to be able to invest and what does an investment look like well it can look like dollars certainly incentives rebates profitability. All that stuff is important. It can look like it can look like tools in terms of demos, proof of concepts, uh customer experience workshops, uh, et cetera. It can look like coverage in terms of channel account managers, channel SEs, e- specialists. It can look like alignment in terms of how does your direct sales force work with them. <clears throat> and certainly it can look like demand generation, whether it's d- development funds, co-op funds, et cetera, used in the right way.
0: One of the reasons vendors have channel programs is to contain the cost of sales. Unlike direct sales that require base compensation and constant support, channel partners only get rewards when they sell something. By some estimates, the cost of channel sales is between 10 and 30% less than direct sales. Even though channel economics often work in the favor of vendors, it still requires a fair amount of controlling to get vendors to invest in channel programs and initiatives. Again,
1: you asked me why I went to checkpoint It's you know it's conversations like first management i meeting I had where we had uh where we had our CFO who's also our CFO, COO in room um along with Gill along with the product guys and had a very senior conversation and I think once you start to talk about channels um in that environment. Then it's a then it's a different conversation. It really you really understand exactly what's required to be able to get the growth in the areas that you need. And, you know, a lot of that is, you know, certainly monetary. A lot of it is coverage and we have pretty good coverage right now. We we could do better. Um, I think our direct sales force, the four GL leaders that I work with uh, were very, very well aligned. Um, I think we give partners access to subject matter experts. And I think we're going to do a better job of internally and externally branding partners that are really investing in us. So, you know, again, and just to wrap up that statement, it's really um, identifying a business opportunity, and when when you do that, it's quantifying that business opportunity, and when you quantify that business opportunity, then it becomes a cost of sales or a cost of entry, and a willingness sometimes to be able to afford invest in the market. You know, cloud and mobility are probably pretty good examples of that. And you need to be able to make the argument or you need to be able to make the case at the right level where, it, where, where you're not just using a discrete set of data, where you're not just operating as the channel guy. You're coming back and you're really articulating what the business opportunity is and how much much it will cost or what kind of resource it will take to be able to go after it.
0: Business justifications and plans are one thing, but often not enough to secure channel investments. Channel chiefs often talk about needing a seat at the table, or as Frank calls it, a voice in the room. Checkpoint is undergoing a transformation of sorts. With the arrival of Frank, Checkpoint is rebuilding its channel program to meet future market demands for security technologies and services. Gil Schwed, Checkpoint's founder and CEO, recently told CRN that it's time to reinvest in channels and its partners to position the companies for its future growth opportunities. In practice, that means Frank and his channel program have a direct line of communication with Schwed and the executive team. The product of that direct line of communication is deep collaboration on channel strategies and objectives.
1: You know, literally Gil puts, pulls us all together. Uh, on a quarterly basis to be able to talk about strategy, to be able to talk about the tough issues, not necessarily what's going right, but you know, what are some of the opportunities in the market? And to be able to, you know, just have a voice in that room, uh, it's not an ego thing at all. It's just, you know, basically channel, forget about me. Um, channel has a voice in those meetings. And channel is part of their strategy that's being built from the bottoms up or being iterated on That's a lot different than just kind of getting together with an executive team on a quarterly basis to be able to do a 10-minute report out on the channel, et cetera. This is more about describing and talking about investments in the channel to be able to drive a strategy that might be nine months away or 18 months away. That's really the difference and that's really the advantage. Channel partners exist
0: to expand a vendor's coverage of the total addressable market and provide customers a point of sales. Obviously, the ultimate objective is generating revenue and contributing to profitability. However, that's not the starting point for determining channel investments. Frank calls it advanced channel math, in which channel chiefs need to look at the objectives, determine the elements required to achieve these goals, and then plan investments.
1: That's where you get. In, that's where you really get into sophisticated channel. I don't want to say management, but I think effectiveness. So when you look at the leading indicators, you know you look at capacity. How many uh, you know, how many how many salespeople, how many SEs, how many delivery resources have been trained in the areas that you need? And then you look at, you know, basically, you know, how do how do we move the opportunities or how do we influence the customer? And I mentioned customer experience days, uh, certainly, you know, demos, um, proof of concepts, et cetera, and checkpoint. Uh, is doing that very well and, and it, then it comes down to opportunity planning. how many opportunity plans, how many account plans have you done together and you can look at customer meetings and certainly deal registrations as some of the leading indicators. When you look at some of the trailing indicators, unfortunately, this is kind of you know this is kind of the way the channel works and unfortunately it's kind of the way some channel leaders get get, get a bad reputation. you know is it, you know it, it, it's tempting to be able to go into a CDW or an SHI and just kind of throw a dart in the wall and say, hey, you know, we got a great market opportunity. And by the way, you're doing 10 million. You need to be able to do 30 million next year. Um, but without the details behind it, without you know, understanding exactly where that year-over-year year growth is going to come from geographically, vertically, um, technology, what the profitability is going to be, um, the cost of sales, you know, basically the rebates, the discounts, et cetera, um, how many new customers are we going to have to acquire to be able to get to that number. Uh, that's that's kind of that's the new channel management. That's what excites me about Checkpoint
0: the channel is obsessed with metrics. Vendors and channel chiefs want to measure everything from revenue to partner portal logins to the volume of coffee consumed at partner events. A lack of data isn't a problem. As Frank tells us, channel chiefs have more data at their disposal than ever before. The challenge comes from a lack of understanding on what's supposed to be measured and what key performance indicators matter. I can tell you from my experience that channel chiefs often find themselves in hot water when they try to invent or apply performance metrics that haven't been established in advance with executive management. It's good to measure things like number of partners trained and certified, but if that isn't established up front, it looks like an excuse when revenue doesn't meet expectations. It's one of the reasons why Frank believes planning key performance indicators in advance is essential
1: you know, over the 25 years, we have a lot, a lot of, we have really, really smart people at Checkpoint. And what we've been able to do is we've been able to kind of um, separate the, uh, uh, separate the signal from the noise to be able to use an old phrase. And therefore, to be able to understand exactly what activities drive demand. And then to be able to put together influencers at the rep and the SC level as well as the ownership level to be able to offer clarity around those activities, around those KPIs, then to be able to build it into a business plan and then to be able to put together a governance model, whether it's QBRs or whether it's more frequently, um, to be able to make sure that we're kind of doing what we say we're doing and then having a combination of leading indicators and trailing indicators that we've both agreed on that are going to drive to a planned outcome. That's the way we're doing it.
0: Investing in channels isn't just about programs. It's about partners and market opportunities. Spending blindly on mass channel programs initiatives isn't enough. Channel success also requires focus, and that means understanding the strengths and weaknesses of specific partners and knowing where to make the right investments.
1: You know, what, what I what I look for, and I think what Checkpoint looks for, is, you know, do we have people like uh, Jim Cavanaugh at WWT or Ken Lamnick at Insight really leading from the front? uh, just as examples. So when, when you have that level of commitment, uh, from the leadership team, that's normally a pretty good indicator that you're going to have success because it filters down, um, pr- pr- pretty, pretty, well. If you don't, to your point, have that CEO, not necessarily relationship, but certainly commitment. And it's not, um, explicit, then I think, then I think you're going to have problems. You look for financially stable models. So you look for partners that not only have the willingness but the ability to invest. Um, you look at partners that are not fulfillment only, that are really uh, deploying and creating customer value. You look at partners that have logical uh, adjacencies. So if you, you know, if you look at just absolute pure plays. You know, you want to make sure that there are some cloud adjacencies, some mobility adjacencies, some, uh, uh, you know, maybe even app de- dev um, or Internet of Things or uh, machine learning. Type of adjacencies that you're able to take advantage of, and you know, then you, then you look for um, differentiation and partners that are not differentiated, that are either in crowded geographies or just have this line card. And again, I'm not I'm not saying that they should be checkpoint exclusive. That would be nice, but I think it's a little bit naive. But literally, if they have 200 security vendors on a line card, it's probably not the partner you want to invest in.
0: What are the consequences of not investing in channels? Well, it's a game of attrition, actually. The less vendors invest in channel programs, the less engaged partners become, and then you start to see revenues decline. Frank actually has a pretty neat trick for seeing which vendors aren't investing in channels. He looks for where partners are not investing.
1: When you're running a large direct sales force, and I've done that with HP, as I stated in the past, um, you know, you can do pretty much whatever you want. And, you know, nobody uh, nobody really understands the scope of it or nobody understands the implication. But in the world that you and I are in, we live in a very public world. So, you know, where where manufacturers or OEMs are making decisions, channel executives are making decisions. And the amount of information that's, that's available to the channel executive right now is substantial. And therefore, they're going to place their bets where people are betting on them. And they're looking at not only trailing indicators or how much uh, how much the funding was last year or what the coverage was last year, but all the indications of who's going to grow in a market, who's going to invest in a in a channel, etc. And I think they're making educated decisions on their line card right now. I don't know if too many people. I mean, you know, you have examples like Nutanix, Pure, uh, some of the other um, companies that are you know Cohesity that are relatively hot in the marketplace right now. I think they're uh, logical ads. I think what you need to look at is who's getting deleted from the line card and what opportunities that gives. And the people that are getting deleted from the line card, as you clearly stated, are normally the people that are de-investing in the channel.
0: The technology market is definitely evolving. We're seeing business models evolve as new technologies come in and change the way that we sell and consume different products and services. In his new role at Checkpoint, Frank plans to apply this collaborative, strategic, and planning philosophy to the redevelopment and evolution of Checkpoint's channel program. He doesn't really see it as rebuilding, but as evolving.
1: I think the expectations are super high to be able to bring some of the senior relationships, some of the, um, I think, mature thinking about strategy and planning of channels, and to be able to really take Checkpoint to the next level. I mean, Gil mentioned it, Tal mentioned it in our earnings announcement. Um, Checkpoint is all channels, has always been all channels, but now we need to evolve that channel
0: mentality. Evolution is probably a good way to think about the need for channel investments. All the market research, strategy, and partner relationships will do no good without the catalyst that is investment. Thanks for joining us here again on Pod2112. I want to thank my guest Frank Rauch, the new head of Global Channels at Checkpoint, for sharing his insights on the needs for channel investments. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on Pod2112, a production of the 2112 Group, a smart channel services provider. 2112 supports technology vendors around the world with research, strategy, and intelligence services. For more information about the 2112 Group's services, email us at info at the2112group.com. For more insights into the channel trends, check out 2112's research and blogs at the2112group.com. We have all the details on the current and emerging trends impacting the channel. And for the best channel news and analysis, check out Channelnomics, our premier site for the lowdown on what's happening in the technology channel today. Join us again when we talk with business and technology leaders about the market and the world around us. Trust me, you won't want to miss a single episode of Pod 2112, so take a minute to subscribe to us today on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again. I'm Larry Walsh.